Welcome, everyone, to, I guess you could say, restarting the clock on BAMS Radio. It's our first show since post-recruiting and national championship number 18 for the University of Alabama in that, of course, 52-24 to whitewashing of The Ohio State University. It's always great uh, to be back with my two cohorts, Thomas the Wizard Watts and William Redfish Barger. Uh, you know, we, we're going to talk some Alabama football today and of course the little basketball uh, toward the end of the program we have we'd have to be remiss not to you know update everybody on that and you know I mean it, it because what a run the Crimson Tide has been on since we last spoke with you uh it's turning into one of the greatest seasons in Alabama Crimson Tide history but of course I want to bring in my two cohorts of course first Thomas Watts from the port city of Mobile. Uh, you know, uh, he does a great job producing the show, has a- a- outstanding analytical takes for us. And then, of course, from 89 to 93, a national champion and key member of the Crimson Tide, and that is William Redfish Barger, who always joins us. Uh, William, great to speak with you again. I hope you've had, uh, you know, a nice uh, little break uh, before we uh, get cranked up again on BAMS Radio. How you doing tonight? I'm doing great, Drew. Sorry to hear that you've been under the weather, but, uh, you know, enjoying the, uh, um, you know, the start of spring football and, and also Alabama's, you know, deep run in the NCAA basketball tournament. Yeah, no doubt. And, uh, Thomas, welcome back to the show as well. Great to have you. Uh, you know, and, and I guess uh, we want to get the negative out of the way, if you want to call it that. Uh, some unexpected news started breaking last night with the Alabama coaching staff. Uh, barely two months into his tenure, uh, you know, special teams coach and tight ends coach uh, Jay Graham, who came over from the University of Tennessee, had extensive SEC experience also at Texas A&M uh, and at Florida State, helped them win a national title in 2013. Great recruiter, uh, helped Alabama uh, procure the commitment of five-star quarterback Ty Simpson of uh, Martin, Tennessee, but he will be uh, leaving the University of Alabama program. He resigned today, effective immediately. So uh, he will not no longer be a part of the program. You know, hearing some things, uh, you know, uh, maybe that uh, he was going through some issues, uh, maybe late for some meetings, you know, not on time. Uh, maybe he and Nick Saban didn't see eye to eye on, you know, how things were going. So it looked like it was a mutual parting of the ways. Uh, definitely, I, I, I was told he did not leave of his own accord. I will say that. Uh, but I, I think... He also released a statement later today uh, detailing some mental health issues. You cannot take those lightly. Hopefully, Coach Jay Graham will get the help he needs. But, William, I guess the bottom line is he's not going to be there from this point forward. And now Nick Saban just announcing, he's speaking to the media right now, that, uh, that uh, it looks like Todd Watson, who had been hired in the, uh, just in this past offseason uh, to be a, a, key, a key guy off the field, of course, he's a – Julio Jones, former high school coach at Foley High School uh, and had been uh, with, at, at Troy, I believe. But he will be coming over to Alabama in an off-field role, but for now will be uh, transitioned to taking the tight end role through spring until they can uh, hire the best replacement possible. Well, I hadn't heard that, Drew, but, um, you know, I think, I think Todd got his start um, <laughs> another – Another uh, football coach has been in the news a lot lately since we last got together. I think Todd got his start on, uh, you know, the same Rush Probst staff at Hoover High School that produced, uh, 
you know, Jeremy Pruitt, Kevin Shear, um, you know, John Gross, you know, all those guys that, that came off that, that, you know, two-a-days coaching staff of uh, Rush Probst at Hoover. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, pretty disappointed, um, you know, and, and I'm not going to – I don't have any inside information into, you know, what led into the, you know, the Jay Graham meltdown. I mean, it sounds like it's a combination of, um, you know, mental health and, and maybe even substance abuse. Um, you know, type issues there. I mean, that's that's been a big, big, um, you know, problem, you know, since the pandemic broke out, you know, the suicide mm-hmm. rates up, you know, the, the addiction, um, the alcohol and drug addiction issues have been, you know, way up with people feeling isolated and alone. But, you know, it, you know, at the end of the day, I was very excited that, that Alabama was able to get, you know, Jay Graham and Robert Gillespie on the same staff, you know, and kind of you know, co-mingle them into the, you know, the running back and the, you know, tight end role. Um, but I, I guess it's, you know, time. I don't know if, you know, Todd Watson's going to be a permanent fixture there. But, you know, I guess we're going to have to start, you know, maybe speculating on who, if it's not Todd Watson, you know, who the permanent fixture is going to be there, um, you know, at the tight end position. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, totally. Uh, it's disappointing that Graham had to leave. Uh, but, you know, it, it, like Coach Saban said, they'll support him in any way they can. Uh, and certainly mental health, you, you made a great point about the pandemic. And uh, that's been a huge part of this because Antonio Alfano, former Alabama football player, has been going through some of the same things. Uh, you know, it's nothing to take light of. Uh, so certainly we hope Antonio, who's now left Colorado, can get the help he, he, uh, he wants or, and needs. And then same thing with Jay Graham. You know, you just hope. Uh, you know, uh, that they can, uh, you know, get back on the uh, right track to the, the proper mental health and that they can, you know, get their lives back, you know, in the place that they need them. But certainly Nick Saban, it sounds like William has said he's going to try to hire the best possible uh, replacement. I don't think he's uh, it, he just stated he's he's not in any hurry. So I wouldn't think it would happen until after spring football. That's certainly unusual, but it's still in a very attractive position. A lot of talent there. We'll talk about the tight end spot. Uh, but per, and I know, of course, you'll want to hire someone that's an outstanding recruiter to help them continue to put together this 2022 cycle, uh, no doubt about it. But uh, that, and, and of course, they, as I said, they're already off to a, a, a nice start. Since we last spoke to our listeners, uh, they picked up Ty Simpson, the five-star quarterback from Martin, Tennessee, and then Emmanuel Henderson, an all-purpose athlete, could be a running back, could be a receiver, uh, you know, a kick returner. A lot. He sounds like he's a lot along the lines of a Kenyon Drake has outstanding film from Geneva County, which I believe William is the former stomping grounds of your former teammate Saran Stacy. Yes, it is. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, if, and he, so, if he turns out to be half as good as Saran was, as Alabama fans will be in good shape. Uh, there's no question about that. Uh, but but now, uh, as we said. Spring practice is now three three workouts in. They just got in their third one. Sounds like Bryce Young is impressing. I think everyone expected him to be ahead of the others. He's the only one that's taken a snap in a game. Didn't play as much as people anticipated. But, again, it was an all-SEC schedule. Mac Jones had an unbelievable year. Is on his way to being a first-round draft pick. They just had their first pro day at Alabama yesterday. He's certainly impressed. 
And, William, before we start delving into spring, I did want to get your thoughts on the pro day. The one thing that I took away uh, that was very impressive to me was Patrick Sertain's workout was off the charts. He should be going in the top ten. And two of the offensive linemen that I know you uh, liked a lot during their careers, uh, you know, at, at Alabama, I thought, uh, you know, of course Alex Leatherwood pre- worked out, and I thought his uh, the numbers were off the charts. I know he's not quite 6'5", but I think he helped himself in, as far as being a tackle in the NFL. And then the biggest one, uh, Deontay Brown, who I think can be the next Nate Newton, he weighed 344 pounds, William, and we've talked about this in ad nauseum. Uh, if if he can get his weight to that level and can stay there consistently, he can absolutely uh, be an all-pro and play a long time in the NFL. Yeah, you know, I think – I don't think that, that Alex Leatherwood's athleticism has ever been in question. I mean, I think it's uh, – you know how NFL GMs are going to view him. I, I don't. I, I'm not convinced that he can be a, um, you know, every down left tackle at, at that level. Um, you know, I, we saw him struggle at times. You know, with some whiffs during his career when he was playing left tackle at Alabama. Um, the, the, you know, I think you know he was exposed a little bit at the Senior Bowl with the edge rushers. Um, you know, does he have the, the numbers on paper? Absolutely. But, you know, the tape doesn't lie. And there's there's some empirical evidence there that, you know, he's not going to be a left tackle in the NFL, in my opinion. I think he's a guy that's going to be either a right tackle or, or a move back inside the, the offensive guard. But, but I do agree with everything that you said about Deontay Brown. If he can get that weight under control and, uh, you know, produce at a consistent level, you know, he could be a guy that plays, you know, 10, 15 years, um, you know, a la, I think we've talked about this before, you know, like Nate Newton, mm-hmm. um, you know, he's a, just a mauler, you know, he's got every skill you look for, for an interior guy. And, uh, you know, there again, I, I don't think, you know, with the knee um, injuries um, that has kind of plagued him throughout his career, um, you know, I think Landon Dickerson has is, is risen to a, um, you know, cult figure hero for Alabama fans, and deservedly so, in my opinion. But I don't know if a team is going to spend a late first-round draft pick on him, um, you know, with his history of knee injuries. But, you know, if he can prove that that's behind him and, you know, his body's going to hold up, I mean, he's going to play in the league as long as his body holds up. I mean, the, the guys, you know, charismatic, you know, people migrate to him. Um, he can play, you know, uh, center guard, maybe even right tackle at the next level. So you can you don't have to spend roster spots on him. But I, I think teams are going to end up being cautious um, as to where they take him in the draft because of his knee issues. But, you know, certainly this – you know, Jacobs, I mean, a Joe Moore Award uh, winning offensive line is going to have some very, very high draft picks um, for the draft eligible players coming off of it in the draft. No doubt. And and Dickerson, I'm glad you brought him up. He's had a quick recovery. He looks really good from the ACL. Uh, it, it's already been stated by some NFL teams that he would be a locked first rounder if he hadn't got hurt. I've still seen him in some mocks late in the first round because the Steelers need another center. 
uh, because the Pouncey brothers both retired. Uh, so it, it'll be really interesting to see where he goes. You're right about his versatility. And I love his attitude. He was asked the other day, where do you want to play? He said, I just want to be on the field. So he's, uh, he, he, you know, he doesn't, it doesn't matter to him. And I think, honestly, William, since he learned the center position, since he got to Alabama, he won the Remington Award. Being able to play center and both those guard spots is going to be invaluable to him for uh, for an NFL team. And I think he'll go no later than the second round. Yeah, no, I, I don't think he's going to go, um, you know, any later than the first half of the second round. I just think because of his, you know, injury history, it's going to make some people, you know, pause a little bit. I won't be shocked if he does go, you know, somewhere between, uh, you know, 28 to the early 30s in the first round at all. But it won't surprise me either if he kind of, you know, drifts early into the second round. And, you know, that's kind of where I see, um, you know, Alex Leatherwood going as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's got, the cra- he's got the crazy numbers. And, you know, to see somebody that's, you know, his size – you know, throw up, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, a 34-inch vertical jump. Yeah. So that shows a freakish athleticism and, and explosion. Um, you know, you might see somebody reach a little bit because Alex Leatherwood doesn't have, um, you know, an injury history the same way that Landon Dickerson um, has. So you might see somebody reach for Leatherwood late in the first round more so than they would for Dickerson. But – and I think, but I think we're talking about basically the same player for different reasons. I mean, you know, Leatherwood played, you know, right tackle, guard, left tackle. You know, did it at a pretty good level. But you know, there might be some teams that see him more as an interior player. Um, you know, Dickerson. You know, has played center. Um, he's played guard. He's played right tackle. I mean, I think they're. We're almost talking about, you know, apples to apples here with the same player for different reasons. But, you know, both guys, um, the good news for both guys is as long as their bodies hold up, um, they're both going to play in the NFL um, to the point that they're going to get a pension and, um, you know, play at a high level. Um, You know, I I would say it's almost kind of like the Ryan Anderson dynamic in the NFL you know Ryan has yet to crack you know the starting lineup and and be a a starter but he's been so productive coming off the bench for the Washington Redskins you know the New York Giants just gave him a million dollar a year contract you know to sign with them Um, you know being a guy that can hold the edge he's a productive uh, you know pass rusher so you know it, it is this becomes more of a business of money and production versus, you know, this guy's, you know, like, you know, Ryan Anderson's not Jadavion Clowney. Um, you know, he's, he's shorter, he's more compact. But, you know, we're talking about, you know, where these GMs and the scouts, you know, get into play and saying, hey, how long can we get this guy on our roster and how productive can he be? And I think, you know, Dickerson, Leatherwood, Ryan Anderson kind of falls all into that same pattern. Yeah, no doubt about it, and uh, you know that there's no question that uh, that that, uh, that sometimes it's just the right fit. You want to go to the right organization, and and speaking of that, William, what were your thoughts on uh, Mac Jones's workout? 
I thought it was I thought he did really solidly. He ran a four seven two forty, which I think surprised a lot of people. Uh, I know he wasn't completely satisfied with how he threw it, but he didn't have Waddle, Devontae Smith. But I, that didn't matter last year. He was productive. I thought it looked like on film that he threw the ball well. Uh, and then the thing that's great about him, he wanted to compete. I think his vertical leap was in the 30s. Uh, and then uh, all, and he's going to get, go through the entirety of the next pro day just to continue to compete and prove to these NFL teams uh, that he's a first-round draft choice. And, and probably it's looking more and more likely to be a top path of the first round. No, I don't disagree with that at all. I, I think Mac Jones has, you know, with his, you know, with his tape, uh, with his willingness to work out, you know, I, I think that, you know, worst case scenario, I mean, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if he's not, you know, QB two taken in the NFL draft. Um, you know, I think that guy has proven with, uh, you know, what he did. Um, in his body of work, both in 2020 and, and, you know, filling in for two in 2019, you know, the guy has, has shown that his body's not beaten up. Um, he, he's got that versatility. Um, he, he's, you know, not a stiff in the pocket with what you see with his numbers. Um, you know, he's a guy that, that can, you know, go out there and, you know, he's not a guy you're going to, he's, he's not a Deshaun Watson and, you know, maybe we can get into that problem here a little bit later. But, you know, he's more athletic, I think, you know, when you look at his testing numbers than people give him credit for. Um, but, no, I, 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 I will be surprised if Mac Jones is drafted outside of, you know, the top 20 draft pick. I, I just think that, you know, with what he showed on the field last year, what he's shown with his testing numbers – you know, his willingness to show up and throw and work out. Um, he, he, you know, the, the, the two guys that have made the most money um, for their pro careers off of that 2020 Alabama football team are Mac Jones and Najee Harris. Yeah, and Najee impressed without working out. He flew to Birmingham from Dallas – or, excuse me, drove from Birmingham uh, – to from Dallas to Birmingham uh, and then to Tuscaloosa to be at the pro day – because his flight from Dallas to Birmingham was canceled on Sunday due to lightning. Uh, you know, it's a, he, he, so he, that really impressed a lot of people that he'd be there with his teammates, even though he wasn't going to work out. Uh, like Scott Pioli said, former front office, a member with the Patriots and the Falcons that really impresses teams to let you to see that he's wanting to support his teammates and willing to go the extra mile to do so. I agree with you. I, I'll be surprised still if Najee's not a first-round pick. I think when he works out, if he can run under a 4-6, that would lock it up. I certainly think the Dolphins should draft him in the first round. Uh, and speaking of that, William, I'll piggyback off of what you just said. Uh, sometimes the best moves you make are the ones you don't. And I think the Dolphins right about now are probably glad they didn't trade for Deshaun Watson. You think? You know, Drew, I don't know how that situation's going to work out. I mean, I think, you know, as it escalates into more and more cases of multiple women, you know, coming after him, and you know, I, you know, we all were led to believe that, you know, Deshaun Watson was, you know, a high character guy. I can remember reading, you know, reports on on the Clemson websites that, you know, he was, you know, speaking of Deshaun Watson. That, you know, he was never spotted, you know, at their version of the strip in Tuscaloosa and Clemson. 
Um, he wasn't a partier. He wasn't a guy. But, um, you know, as these cases mount, I think that's going to make it more difficult for, you know, Deshaun's, Deshaun Watson's lawyers and, and handlers to, you know, beat that situation back into the bushes. I mean, it's starting to look bad. But, yeah. you know, as you circle back around and look at the same situation for Alabama players, you know, that, that Najee Harris situation, you know, flying into Dallas and, and, you know, getting a plane that was defunct. And, you know, he chose to, you know, drive um, from Dallas to Tuscaloosa. You know, what that says to me is what Nick Saban spoke about the 2020 Alabama football team, you know, back in fall camp. Great chemistry. Um you know, this might be the best team that I've ever coached from a togetherness standpoint. And, you know, did, did Najee Harris, you know, do himself some favors for, you know, flying into Dallas-Fort Worth and, and his plane being busted and driving into Tuscaloosa to support his players when he actually wasn't going to test and run? Oh, yeah. He's made himself some money on that aspect as well. Yeah, there's no doubt. And uh, I, I think that uh, Najee uh, is a perfect fit for the pro game. I don't, you know, I know he doesn't have breakaway speed, so to speak, but he's big and physical. And the biggest thing is he's, a, you know, a, a, like a, an extra H back out of the backfield. His receiver skills, his route running ability, his football IQ is just off the charts. But, uh, you know, uh, and again, I think Sertain's going to be a great pro too. Uh, you know, I think he should be a top 10 pick. If he's not, I don't know, you know, I'd have to evaluate the evaluators, uh, you know, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see going forward, uh, you know, where a lot of these guys go. I agree with you, William. I think the offensive line, as far as Dickerson, uh, Deontay Brown, who I hope can move himself into a second round pick, no later, maybe than third, uh, he would be a steal for someone uh, that can play a long time in the NFL if he stays healthy and keeps his weight under control. Uh, you know, you've got uh, you know, uh, uh, some high quality and high character guys from that O line, and I think you know they're uh, a lot of them are going to play a long. I think all five of those starters uh, have the ability to play you know a long time in the National Football League, uh, certainly. And uh, I think Leatherwood is a, is a right tackle, really. Uh, but luckily for him, there's only one Tua Tagovailoa. There's not really any left-handed quarterbacks many in the NFL, so there he won't be protecting the blind side, but. Right tackles are still paid very well, and with his athleticism and ability, I mean, I always kind of thought he looked like a fish out of water at guard, but I think right tackle in the National Football League would be a good spot for him, and I certainly think as the guy that could go in the second or third round, hopefully second for Alex after his workouts, uh, you know, I think he can uh, he can have a, a very, very nice pro career as well. And I keep going back to one of your good friends, Mario Cristobal's comments, and he, 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 I know he told you at one time, you know, there was so much talent on this football team that if Alabama didn't win more national championships, didn't win three out of the, last, the next five years, and they've won six out of 12, that the coaching staff should be fired. I think Mario's a pretty good judge of talent because, as we've seen, they won it yet again. They won it in 17. They came very close in 18. Uh, this has been an, un an unprecedented run. And now I'm going to be fascinated to see as we transition to spring football now, I'm already hearing really good feedback about Doug Marone, what Doug Marone is going to do with this offensive line 
it's still, I think the room is still loaded with a lot of young talent, especially with this freshman class coming in. No, it absolutely is. And, you know, I think the point that, um, you know, Mario was trying to make when he made that comment was, you know, I think the single biggest weakness why there were gaps, especially on the back end of the Nick Saban era, um, you know, I would say the front end would have been, you know, the, the, the Texas National Championship through the Notre Dame National Championship. You know, where, where those gaps started taking place, and, you know, this isn't going to be popular, and, and I, I'm, I'm going to say it, and I'm going to own it myself. You know, had Nick Saban fired, encouraged, uh, everybody's favorite Alabama football celebrity, the Yaya weightlifting coach, to move on, you wouldn't have seen those gaps in between the Alabama National Championships. Um, what they've got on campus now between Ballou and Rhea is the damnedest thing I've ever seen in strength and conditioning, nutrition, and um, speed coaching. And that's why you see those gaps in Alabama's national championships is because they were overconditioned. Um, they were beat up medically when they got to the, the um, NFL combine with their medical jackets. I've had numerous um, former players talk to me about this. You know, the single biggest game that I can point to as to why there's gaps in Nick Saban's national championships, and while I'm saying this, I sound like an idiot because most programs would view this as a positive. But when you look at the way Nick Saban recruits, when you look at the way Nick Saban restaffs his coaching staff on an annual basis when they all flood out, Scott Cochran was the weak link. And, you know, we've talked about this on the show for years. And that's why there's these gaps in between Nick Saban signing the number one recruiting class on an annual basis. And then as you see those teams fade in the college football playoff, it's because they were overconditioned. Um, injuries, um, and nobody was down there checking anybody on the rest and recovery of the players. Um, and, and I would squarely hang the loss to Ohio State, I think, in the 2014-2015 Sugar Bowl, whatever that was, to Ohio State mm -hmm. on Scott Cochran. On Scott Cochran. But now that Nick has made the the upgrade on on the you know the two guys that are running that part of his program, you're not going to see that. I mean, you know, I've seen the numbers. Um, last year they were at the top of college football programs that had guys that were injured, and that's what I was screaming from the rooftops about in 2015 about Scott Cochran. As it, as it relates to Alabama football, they were overconditioned. Um, they were, you know, tired. They were dead-legged. That's why you saw them lose 
those games to Ohio State and Clemson, um, maybe even that, that Oklahoma game when, when A.J. McCarron was a senior, it was because they were injured, they were over-conditioned, and that's squarely on the shoulders of one Nick Saban, not Scott Cochran, because that's who kept Scott Cochran employed, in my opinion, five years longer than he should have been employed in Tuscaloosa. That's a very interesting take, no doubt about it. Uh, and, uh, Thomas, I know we haven't uh, heard from you. We've been uh, going ad nauseum about the pro day and then now delving into spring and uh, talking uh, uh, just uh, kind of, uh, you know, updating everyone on the off season, and, of course, the situation with Jay Graham. Uh, but, yeah, of course, we'd be remiss if we didn't get your thoughts a little bit on Graham and what William is kind of uh, speaking on. Uh, this, as Alabama gets ready to embark on this spring practice and is now three uh, workouts in trying to defend this national championship. Well, the Jay Graham situation just sounds like something that, for whatever reason, didn't work out. It's better that it didn't work out now than the week before Miami. So uh, I'm willing to take him at face value that he's having mental issues and I'm willing to believe it at that. Like, I don't want to go any further into that, down that rabbit hole. Uh, wish, wish the guy luck. Uh, get yourself figured out. And uh, Alabama might see you on the opposing sideline. In terms of the spring, you know, we, there, there have been three workouts, as you said, Drew. One of the things that I find most interesting and doesn't get a lot of – doesn't – hasn't gotten a lot of talk is – this team, this 2021 team, is like every other in that it's going to present a bunch of very odd, unique challenges. But what really stands out to me is the amount of production that Alabama is going to have to replace on the offense. Something like 85% of all yards all year is gone on top of the losses in the offensive line. And, you know, that's, that's just a tall order for any team. If you take Alabama off of that jersey or off of that end zone and you told me that the team is going to lose 88% of their production or some, you know, some mid-80s percentage, I would straight up take it to the bank that that team's going to go take a step back. That is so extreme that it's difficult to fathom. Now... Having said that, Alabama is still loaded, and there are guys coming in that can contribute in a positive way. So we'll see. I mean, really, what 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 are we gonna? What do I personally want to look for? You know, I know eight A. We'll talk about more of it as it gets gets closer. But what I personally am curious about is who really does stand out. Like who who of a running backs room, which the running backs are going through a weird transition behind Brian Robinson because we've got a bunch of injuries. So who comes out of that? And then who's wide receiver two? Uh, who, who does start to fill up that production? And if Alabama comes out of this spring with at least some idea of those questions, I'll be okay with it. The Jay Graham situation is unfortunate, I wish the guy all the luck in the world to get himself figured out. But there are some team questions that I'm going to be keeping a very keen eye on throughout the next few weeks, Drew. 
Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, I completely agree with you, Thomas. Uh, and then the thing is, there's going to be a lot of guys that are missing spring practice. This is not surprising. Safety Malachi Moore, who played the Stars so well, he's still healing up from the end of the season. Darian Mathis, who's really going to be the leader of that D-line room, had a great year last year as a redshirt junior. He'll be back, but he's not going to do much. John Mechie, we know, had a severe ankle injury that he played through the majority of the year. And kudos, once again, it's what exactly what uh, William was talking about. Jeff Allen and the medical staff, and then Dr. Matt Ray, David Ballou, getting him through the season. Pierce Quick had back surgery. He was a guy that I, I thought was under the radar, could maybe win one of those guard spots, uh, but he's not going to be there to get reps, so we'll see. And Emil Echior. So, uh, Emil, is he going to stay at right guard? Is he going to transition to left? Uh, we'll see that. Like, I would believe Evan Neal's going to transition to left tackle. It's going to give a lot of guys reps, though, uh, and a chance to, you know, win a job. I mean, I'm, I'm still going to be really fascinated to see a guy like Tommy Brown. He's kind of making the transition from uh, tackle to guard. He's looked good inside at guard. Can he, you know, win one of these jobs in the spring? Because everybody's kind of starting over because of Doug Marone taking over. Is Chris Owens, who improved, I thought, exponentially this year, is he going to be at center or at right tackle? Uh, because I think he can play both of them equally well. And then, William, to bring you back into the conversation, a lot of that's going to be, I think, contingent upon how much progress Darian Dalcourt has made. Well, can, can I just jump in real quick? Yeah. I, I, I wanted Go to make ahead, one Tom. other point. I apologize, William. Uh, yeah, go ahead. We're st- we're actually now going to see what Rhea and Baloo can do with players in front of them. A lot of what they do is similar to what I do professionally in terms of very focused data analytics. And I, I mean, I know I'm I'm kind of saying that with inside baseball, if you can get ahead in that stuff, that's where the money is professionally. And it's also where the money is in terms of athletics. I mean, not just the wins above replacement notions, but how do we train? How do we build? How do we do all of this stuff better? And I think the thing you have to take absolutely to the bank is that uh, I think it was Ray on on Twitter said, yeah, we were 50% below the average for missed minutes. I mean, in a COVID era where practice time was limited, the reps you saw in games were the biggest development curve. And you saw that with Malachi Moore, Brian Branch, and all of the young players that showed out towards the end, and they were still fresh. I want to see, going off your point, Drew, about with the injuries, who's starting to really take and use Ray and Baloo's talents to become fantastic football players. But again, I apologize for jumping in. I just had to say that. No doubt. Well, like I said, William, I think a lot of these moves on the offensive line, I think we're going to see a lot of different combinations uh, in the spring. That's, uh, you know, when you kind of figure out what you've got. Uh, I do think, I I do anticipate Evan Neal making that move uh, over to left tackle. I think you've talked about it as well. But Chris Owens is kind of the interesting. I think he can play winning football for you at right tackle. We saw him do it for Evan Neal against Arkansas. We saw him play center full-time in the college football playoff, and he looked much better than he did a year ago. But again, as I said, Darian Dalcourt's development may have something to do with that. Dalcourt will probably get a look at guard as well. Uh, I'm anxious to see him. I'm anxious to see Tommy Brown. Uh, And I know you want to see that freak of nature, J.C. Latham. You believe he has the talent 
to join the likes of the Jonah Williamses, the Cam Robinsons, uh, Andre Smith. Uh, we've seen so many, uh, you know, that, uh, that, that came straight out of high school and were able to start from day one at Alabama. No, absolutely. I mean, and, and you know, J.C. Latham is one of those guys. And, and I would say that, you know, the, the the three guys out of this recruiting class that I think I can, you know, that can start from day one are, you know, J.C. Latham, um, Dallas Turner, and, uh, oh, God, the uh, um, other edge rusher. Um, Keanu Coop. Yes. Yes. And, you know, and then I think, you know, Drew, when you delve off deeper into the onion, um, I want to see what these young inside linebackers, you know, can do. I mean, you know, you got, you know, Christian Harris at one side that's going to be the guy, um, you know, maybe Shane Lee starts spring practice off at the other, but, you know, you got, uh, Jalen Moody and, and Kennedy at the other side. But I think the biggest uptick that you're going to see in this football team from 2020 to 2021, even with Pete Golding being the D.C., is go from each level of that defense, from the D-line to the linebackers to the DBs, and start looking at the talent that's been stacked up there. It's crazy. It really is, and I'm anxious to see some of that. I've heard some good things in the first couple of practices coming out because I really love DeMarco Hellams. I think he can, he's going to solidify himself a spot in that secondary. Uh, I love Brian Branch. You know, I love Malachi Moore. I think, you know, Branch can be a big part of the secondary this year at safety. If Malachi is back, I expect him to – healthy I expect him to be at the star spot the interesting thing is who's going to be the other corner opposite Josh Job, who really improved last year could it be a Juco transfer like a Kyrie Jackson could it be the Juco transfer from a year ago who got hurt Ronald Williams uh, Marcus Banks is another guy that I think is talented that can uh, you know make a push and then don't forget Kool-Aid McKinstry did enroll early uh, you know how quickly will he acclimate himself to the system and, and begin making plays. I think he has some special, you know, talent himself. So I, the big thing, like William said, there's going to be a lot of competition back there. I think that, you know, personally, I know a, a lot of the fans, you know, have not, you know, been big uh, Shane Lee, uh, you know, supporters. I still think the kid can play. He had 86 tackles two years ago. Last year he had a sports earning, was hurt. And let's be honest, let's be honest Dylan Moses was back. It was going to be his year. Uh, you know, Dylan struggled some, but, you know, I still think Shane Lee can be a good player at Alabama. And, you know, I know he's got some physical limitations, but he and Jalen Moody uh, are going to fight it out maybe at that Mike spot. Moody, as you know, William, was really good stepping in a year ago uh, or in this past season when uh, a guy like Christian Harris got nicked up. So he's a senior who's waited his turn. There's been a lot of talk about Henry Toa Toa. Now there's rumors he may go back to Tennessee. Uh, if he does that, then I think that the one thing some people will talk about the transfer rule, but I think it'll be more of a positive, uh, you know, outcome on where Nick Saban thinks the inside linebacker room is that he's got on the team now, because you know team chemistry is a delicate thing. You Moody's waited his turn, Shane Lee, and I thought it was interesting, William, that 
Nick Saban talked up both those guys after the first practice about where he thought Shane Lee and Jalen Moody were at this point. Well, that's a good thing. Um, yeah. Because I think both of those guys can play. So, you know, when you when you picture this, you know, spring practice, you know, kind of putting it together, um, I, you know, I think that's a, a really good, delicate thing. But as it comes into team chemistry, um, you're going to have to make that hard decision at the end of it. Is it going to be Shane Lee or is it going to be Jalen Moody? Right. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting decision, and that'll probably play itself out over the next couple of weeks. I mean, Alabama's also announced today their spring practice or A-Day plan as far as tickets. Uh, they're going to have some $10 premium tickets for donors and and people that, of course, have the sweet tickets. I know uh, Thomas knows some of those folks in the, in, the, uh, or in the Ivory Club and things of that nature. The general admission tickets will be $5 a piece, and so they can limit them. They're going to be sold on April the 10th and there will be a red elephant club scrimmage on April the 10th. So I uh, should have a good report coming from that. Looking forward to it. Uh, William, I know you enjoy spring. Uh, I hope you're able to get out there and see some of the practices and uh, see some of it, uh, you know, uh, for the first time in a while uh, being able to attend and, and get some of your thoughts as you get, as you put your own eyes on them. Uh, we'll definitely uh, would enjoy that. No doubt about it. But also, I think, you know, as far as spring goes, uh, I think defensively, I don't have a lot of questions. I know they got to re replace Christian Barmore, but I think they've got a lot of young, good young defensive linemen like a Byron Young will be coming back from injury. We already talked about Phil Mathis. I think Tim Smith is ready to be a superstar. So I think defensively they're in a good place. Offensively is where it's so interesting. We've already talked about the offensive line. We believe Bryce Young has a chance to be special at quarterback. But there is going to be so much competition in the wide receiver room and in the running back room. And, you know, we I, I wasn't really expecting Brian Robinson to come back. He did. I still really like his talent a lot. He's going to be the leader in the clubhouse. But you've got Jason McClellan, Roy Dale Williams. And then William Nick Saban talking glowingly of Keelan Robinson today after practice, talking about the muscle mass he's added, his speed, and his ability to be a kick returner and punt returner for Alabama. And then a guy I've always thought could also be dangerous as a receiver. I'm going to be really fascinated to see what happens with that running back room with so much talent. Yeah, that running back room is going to be dynamic and interesting, I think, all through spring practice and fall camp. I think, you know, there's going to be some people that fall out from it. But um, – if there is one outlier, I think it's Killian Robinson, and I think he can be that, you know, Kenyon Drake guy. Yeah. You know, that, that, you know, does kickoffs and punts and all that other stuff. But that, that you know, there is an overcrowding of talent at several different positions, but there's not any one that is more overcrowded than the Alabama running back. Uh, room. Yeah, because we, we didn't even talk about Kamar Wheaton, who will be coming on uh, in May. And then, of course, we've still got Kyle Edwards there, who redshirted, who didn't play last year. They have got so much talent uh, in that running backer. And Trey Sanders. Trey Sanders not going through contact, but going through drills, an amazing recovery following the car accident. 
as Nick Saban has said, his attitude's been really good. And people forget he was coming on last year before that uh, unfortunate uh, situation back home uh, in Florida. So Trey Sanders is a part of that room as well. Uh, but then wide receiver-wise, I, I can't wait. I, you know, I've already been watching a little bit of the video. You see number 12, which is Christian Leary, seven, Ja'Cory Brooks. Ajay Hall is there as well. And they're competing with Sean Holden, uh, Ty U. Jones-Bell. We've seen some snippets of Ty U. Uh, you know, no doubt. And then, of course, you've got Xavier Williams, who surprised some people by finally getting to the rotation last year. And then Slade Bolden is back. John Mechie, we already mentioned, would not go through spring very with much contact. But he's a proven guy, nearly 1,000 yards last year, tremendous blocker, tremendous all-around receiver. He should be he's probably going to be number one going into the season. Got a chance to, you know, leave his own legacy now at Alabama to be the next in line of great players. But Certainly, uh, this wide receiver group and Javon Baker, who got some time late last year. I'm anxious to see all these receivers, see how kind of how it hashes out, uh, because you've got sophomores and freshmen is the majority of the room. So they're unproven, but you do have at least a couple of bell cows in Mechie and Slade Bolden. I really love Slade. I love his grit, and I think he's going to you know have a bigger role this year. But, William, I'm going to be anxious to see kind of which guys in the wide receiver room uh, you know, uh, uh, can basically acclimate themselves the quickest. You'll have JoJo Earl coming in in May, but and he's kind of a Jalen Waddle type slot guy, but he had, we won't have seen him at all. But I'm anxious to see which of the wide receivers take advantage of this spring practice the most. Well, no, I agree with you, Drew. But you know, the one the one room that you know intrigues me the most is everybody's already saying that, you know, Jaleel Billingsley is going to be that guy tied in. Right, And, right. yeah, he's going to be that, you know, quick strike guy that you can, you know, fast twitch guy that's going to be able to do that. But, you know, who's going to be that, you know, on a third and three play guy that you put in at the tight end room to, you know, make that block? And, right. I, you know, I think, you know, when we start talking about Bryce Young and, uh, you know, all the tricks that Bill O'Brien has at his disposal, that's the guy that intrigues me the most is who's going to be the blocking tight end. And I think that's what Alabama has to identify, you know, this spring or, or August um, in fall camp is – you know, who's going to be that guy that, you know, that seals that corner? Yeah, I, and, and, I, and I know Coach Saban was talking about Cameron Latu because Major Tennyson's got some injury issues. Uh, Robbie Oots, the true freshman early enrollee from South Carolina, has got a hamstring right now. Uh, so there's the, the tight end room is not completely healthy. We understand that. Uh, but, you know, but uh, I think that uh, – that, that, and then also – the Cameron uh, or Caden Clark, excuse me, the other uh, gray shirt from Ohio, he's still recovering from a major knee injury. But yeah, I mean, no question that I, I like Latu. He's waited his turn. Maybe he's that guy that's going to really assert himself finally and earn consistent playing time. He's played in spots, but maybe he can earn it consistently. Kendall Randolph is back as well. He'll be competing at offensive line at the tackle spots, but you already know what you have with him. He can definitely be that blocking tight end. So he could be another special, create a special role for him as a senior. 
he could definitely be a guy to watch from Bob Jones High School. Uh, as he, he didn't catch any passes a year ago, but we all know in those short yardage packages, like William's talking about, that uh, he was a huge factor, no question about it. But I know we've only got a few minutes left of BAMS radio tonight. But, William, uh, I guess for you to close out your thoughts on uh, the, the start of spring, what are those battles that intrigue you the most besides what you just talked about with the tight end? I mean, I would say it's, you know, the offensive line, um, both sides of the line of scrimmage, offensive line, defensive line. I mean, you know, the, the running back room is ridiculous. Um, I expect Bryce Young to be the, you know, the quarterback of it all. But, you know, there, there's a lot of positions on both sides of the line of scrimmage that have, you know, gaps. You know, I would say it's the wide receiver room on offense. It's the back end of the defense on defense. I, you know, let, let's see what it looks like going into fall camp. And, you know, when it goes into fall camp, um, it'll work itself out. But, you know, Alabama is in a very, very um, envious position to where – you know, these position groups are worked out into either spring camp or fall camp. And I think that's the way it's going to work out for, you know, the 2021 Alabama football team. Yeah, and I wanted to bring Thomas back in. Thomas, uh, what are the the position battles that you're most intrigued to watch continue to develop uh, during uh, spring practice? So, uh, just just a random comment. It's so nice to not have to worry about Alabama field goal kicking. Yeah, <laughs> we should just take a minute yeah, with that's that. That's a great point. <laughs> but, no, the thing that we haven't really talked about that I'll be interested in is how does the secondary come together? Uh, I think the secondary was the strength of the Alabama defense last year. I'm pretty sure that I would argue that's unequivocal. But Pat Sertan is, is, has moved on. There are folks coming behind him. But how does that play out? And with Brian Branch and particularly Malachi Moore not seeing as many reps, who will we see on A-Day? You know, who will take that spot? And does it become permanent? I personally doubt it does. But if there's one question mark on the defense, and I would argue this isn't really a question mark, it's who's going to come in when the secondary. And that's just one of the things that I'm curious about because – with all the production that has disappeared from the Alabama offense, as talented as that team is, the defense is not going to be able to afford an Ole Miss-type poor showing early on. The offense its going to take a couple of games, so the defense is going to have to be on point starting out pretty quick. Yeah, it's going to have to be on point. There's no doubt about that. Uh, you know, I agree with you totally, uh, Thomas, and – We'll see kind of how that, uh, you know, works out. No question about it, uh, you know, but we'll see. I mean, certainly uh, I think Alabama, you know, it, it, there, there, there are a few questions, but and especially offensively, but I think the answers are there. It's the, they have the talent. I think that's why you'll see them. I, I, someone asked me today, are they still going to, are they still going to, you know, be dangerous and I was like of course the expectations do not change they do they they never do at Alabama so it's just going to be okay which guys take full advantage of these opportunities I know the coaching staff has undergone changes but hey that's that you know that that always happens 
and I think a big part of it too, uh, we haven't really talked about it. I, you, you brought it up, Thomas, as far as Will Riker. Yes, I think they have the best kicker in America coming back. That's so, that's got to be so comforting. But also, Charlie Scott, the uh, brother of J.K. Scott, he was solid at punter a year ago. He's come back for another year. I, it looks as though so he's going to probably be the leader in the clubhouse uh, over Sam Johnson from Oak Mountain and Ty Pirine. They'll you know battle that out, but they should be solid there. But then you have to replace the kick return ability of a guy like a uh, Jalen Waddle. But they had to do that halfway through last year anyway. Devontae Smith now being gone. But that opens the door for a guy like Keelan Robinson uh, to compete. Can't wait to see him. JoJo Earl as well, uh, once he gets there uh, in the fall, is another guy that may get a look there. And Brian Robinson has done some kickoff returning. But if he is the bell cow at running back, could we see a guy like a Jason McClellan uh, back there? So. I'm just I'm anxious to see, uh, you know how uh, that all works its way out. But I know uh, we uh, that they, they, they will continue to follow these battles and bring you our weekly update now for spring practice with Alabama football. Uh, you know uh, I know uh, that uh, we're gonna fi- we're gonna have our ear to the ground. We'll be of course monitoring the Jay Graham situation as far as potential replacements for him, and of course with recruiting. We already kind of mentioned. Uh, at, the, at the top of the show, Ty Simpson and Emmanuel Henderson. I don't know that there's any other commitments on the horizon, but those things can change quickly because it looks like finally sanity is going to prevail. And that maybe after a day, there'll be some visits be able to happen in person. So that will probably change the recruiting dynamic and process a little bit. Uh, but, the, you know, the class is off to a solid start, especially when you get a five-star QB like a Ty Simpson, you can kind of be a Pied Piper in recruiting other guys. It looks like Alabama is going to pay special attention to the state of Tennessee, which is uh, unusually loaded this year, especially with, uh, you know, the, the Warren Nolan, the top, arguably the top defensive tackle in the country from Cordova, Tennessee. So they're going to be heavily involved with him, as is LSU. Uh, but we'll continue to monitor recruiting. And then I've got to bring into the conversation and talk some basketball uh, William mentioned it at the top of the show, uh, you know, the Sweet 16 and the unbelievable run for NATO's in year two. I mean, they pulled off the daily double that hasn't been done since, you know, two th- since 1986-87, which, of course, was winning the regular season title uh, and then winning the SEC tournament for the first time uh, in ni- since 2002 for the regular season. And then in 31 years, the first one since 91 for the SEC tournament. It's just been an unbelievable run. Now they're in the Sweet 16 after, uh, you know, gutting out a, a, a tough opener against, uh, you know, a well-coached Iona team by Hall of Famer Rick Pitino. They eviscerate Maryland. And now they've got UCLA, one of the most tradition-rich programs in the country, uh, coming up in the Sweet 16 on Sunday at 6.15 p.m. Central Time. Uh, and I believe that game will be uh, on TNT. So be ready for that, Bama fans. I think it's a game Alabama can most definitely win. Uh, I think that they are one of the eight best teams in the country, and they could equal the 2004 team for the longest run in the NCAA tournament and then take a step further than that 86-87 team uh, in this run and then have a chance to be the first Alabama team to get to the Final Four. I picked them to get to the Final Four. I still think they got a great shot at doing it. They're getting healthy now. And they're getting guys like Alex Reed playing his best basketball of his career and Javon Quinterly. It's just a fun team to watch. It's very deep. Uh, and, Thomas, 
I know you've been, you and William have also enjoyed watching this. It's, it's been great seeing Alabama basketball. Uh, in other words, it's, it's kind of taking the headlines in football right now. This is always going to be a football school, but a lot of people getting super excited about uh, the Alabama men's program. Well, it's fun to watch. It's not a dr- it's not a drudgery of a f- type of basketball. It's run up and down the floor, shoot a ton of threes, score a ton of points, and play good defense. It's modern basketball to a T. To follow up on my Ray Blue point, the analytics say play this way. Alabama plays this way. They win, and it's fun to watch. So I absolutely adore what they're doing as with the basketball program. I'm excited to see them play against UCLA. I think that's going to be a tough game, but it's something that Alabama can win, and that's a good spot to be in when you're talking about a game in the Sweet 16, Drew. It is, and then the recruiting's going so well. They've already got Juson Holt, the wing from Georgia, six foot six. They've already got J.D. Davidson, as good a player as I've seen come out of the state of Alabama. McDonald's All-American, a guy that can, I mean, absolutely, uh, you know, can – be an impact player next year as a point guard, combo guard, and above-the-rim guy. Him playing with Javon Quinterly just excites me to no end because I think Quinterly still needs more time on the college level. And then, of course, uh, they've, they've also got Langston Wilson, the wiry athletic power forward coming from the JUCO ranks, and potentially a five-star center in Charles Bediaco could be a top-three class. And they could add someone from the transfer portal like a Myrion Jones who's formerly of Huffman High School and played for three years at Penn State, also redshirted a year. So he's got two years left, really good three-point shooter. Someone would have to transfer, but we've seen, as we've seen, the portal is full. There's guys transferring left and right. I I don't necessarily think uh, more than one would leave, but again, uh, you know, it's it's become commonplace. And I think Alabama has a special culture and uh, Nate Oates has certainly got the future is bright. He's already signed a contract extension to stay in Tuscaloosa. He's not going to Indiana. And the thing is, is, uh, you know, I, I will say uh, I, a lot of people are focusing on next year and so excited about the future, but enjoy the journey this year. This group has got a chance to make some history and certainly looking forward to their uh, outing against UCLA and Mick Cronin on Sunday night. And hopefully they can get to Tuesday. And uh, what, an, what, what an opportunity that would be to play for a Final Four uh, for the University of Alabama. And then I want to give a quick shout-out to Christy Curry and the women's program. They certainly didn't uh, get the result they wanted today against a very good Maryland team who may go to the Final Four. But they got back to the tournament for the first time in 22 years. They won a game. Give them a lot of credit. Uh, They've gotten the Alabama women's basketball back to relevance and wanted to give a quick congratulations to them. Uh, And uh, and just any – and then finally, I'll throw it back to you guys. First, William, do you have any final thoughts before we wrap it up tonight? Well, no, I mean, my final thoughts are, A, you know, it's amazing that, you know, I've always felt like that Alabama could, you know, produce a program that had, you know, basically the same dynamic that Urban Meyer and Billy Donovan had with Florida, you know, where, where you could have a, you know, a, a Final Four basketball team and a, and a national championship football team. Um, and I think that's where Alabama is now. But I think the next step in that process between Nick Saban with football and Nate Oates and basketball, where, where it's going to, you know, come to fruition is, 
they've got to build that basketball guy. And, and, you know, snow Nate Oates. They've got to build that basketball guy. And, and you know, this, this doesn't sound like a former Alabama football player saying this. They've got to replicate the same battle plan that Auburn did with their arena. Yeah. Um, change, the, change the color schemes and replicate what Auburn did. Um, and, and then you've got the, you know, the Billy Donovan, Erwin Meyer, um, you know, um, dynamic on campus. I, you know, I've always felt like that that was the big deal. Um, you know, so, I mean, I don't know about all the girls' sports and all that other stuff, but when it comes to football and basketball, there's no way you can't replicate what Urban Meyer and Billy Donovan did at Florida versus what Nick Saban and Nate Oates can do at, at Alabama. Um, give him the damn arena and tear that damn eyesore down in Coleman Coliseum and build him a new arena. Yeah, I, I, it's definitely time, and winning cures a lot of that. And as I said, if Nate Oates could get off to this kind of start, even with a pandemic, I think they're going to move that forward quickly as a part of the Crimson Standard, no doubt about it. Uh, and uh, But, again, I, I want to thank everyone for listening to, to BAM's radio tonight. Thomas, if, if, uh, do you have anything uh, you want to add, or, or do you, are, are we ready to wrap up tonight? Roll Tide, beat the Bruins rebuild Coleman or figure it out because that, that, that's got to change. Um, top flight programs, part of being a top flight program is having top flight facilities. And Coleman, Coleman is in desperate need of a facelift. It needed a facelift when I was there back in the late 2010s, and it hasn't gotten any better. But, you know, yeah. still, excited yeah. as I'll get out for the game. I think everyone is, and Again, we're back at BAMS Radio. We want to thank everyone for supporting us. I know they've been anxious to hear us talk some spring football. Basketball needed to be a part of the conversation due to the special year that they're having at the university. Uh, we're going to continue to break it down. We'll continue to talk some recruiting uh, as, you know, uh, that, uh, that, that the info unfolds itself, uh, definitely. It's still very early in the cycle. But, again, uh, I don't know how many commitments they're going to take. Uh, you know, uh, this early, I, I still don't think it'll be a, a, a ton of them because I think they are, they feel like they, they, they're going to continue to build relationships with kids, even if everything returns to normal. And we hope it does where they can visit campus, which means they'll have camps. They'll be able to evaluate guys. But again, we'll continue to get, be on the pulse of that. And of course, uh, with our, uh, buzz from spring practice, we should have you a firsthand report from the uh, Red Elephant Club scrimmage coming up on the 10th, and then, of course, A-Day as well. So please uh, continue to have us be your source for Crimson Tide football conversation. For Thomas the Wizard Watts, for William Redfish Barger, I'm Drudy Armin. Good night, everybody. And as Thomas said so aptly, beat the Bruins. Hopefully uh, we'll have some more to talk about next week, Uh, perhaps a potential Final Four berth for the Crimson Tide. But everybody, enjoy the rest of your evening. Good night and roll tide.